What's good? What's good? What's good, fans? I want to thank you guys for joining Week 9 to 5 of Voice of the Fans podcast. Prevon, this is just been going and going and going and going. And we're going to have to change up these, uh, the title here in a minute. Oh, man, it just never stops, man. Let's just see what's good and keep it rolling. We've got a lot of content that keeps coming at us, man. In this episode, Week 95, Voice of the Fans, Voice of the Fans podcast, we're going to talk about Cam Newton signs with the Patriots. Denver Nuggets, Denver Nuggets shut down their facility. We're going to talk about the NBA coronavirus spreading through the league, hitting the New Jersey Nets, or New Brooklyn Nets now, as they're called. So, always going to talk about this day in history, and then we're going to give our preview of the NFC South. So, get comfortable, fans. Let's do this. As always, we want to shout out to the guys listening to us on Rise Radio, or however you're listening to us, whether it's Spotify, Tuned In, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Voice of the Fans podcast. Without you, we couldn't do it. Nearly 100 shows on this platform, Cleveland. Nearly 100 shows on this platform. We got more in the bank, fellas. But on this particular platform, Cleveland, we're coming up on 100. Very impressive. So, again, thank you, fans, for how you're listening to us, however you choose to listen to us. We appreciate it. It is June 30th, 2020, and this is Week 95 Voice of the Fans podcast. Cleveland, we look at the numbers. Every week, with it being June thirtieth, when you think of the number thirty, who do you think of? Do you think of a Hall of Fame running back from Colorado area? Do you think of the pitcher down in Texas and for the Angels? Who do you think about when you think of the number thirty, sir? When I think of the number thirty, Cam, the first person that comes to mind is Steph Curry. Uh, the first person won the unanimous vote for uh, NBA MVP and also a three-time NBA champion. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a Steph era right now, and Steph's the first person that comes to mind. And quite honestly, he's probably the person that's worn the best, for, if we're just talking, you know, candidly. Uh, I don't know if he wore better than the guy who gained 2,000 yards for the Denver Broncos, the Hall of Fame running back who – the pivotal player. Oh, for absolute for absolute certain, he he wore it better than Terrell Davis. Is that if that's what you were, you know, kind of alluding oh, to? Yeah, he, he 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 wore it. He wears it better. Excuse me. He knows. I don't want to talk past tense. He wears it better than Terrell Davis when he wore it. You know, Terrell listened to the show, and he'll have some words for you. I can pull up. I can pull up. I can pull it up. Terrell's already wanted to talk to you. Me and Terrell can always chit chat. I'm, you know, my number, you know, publicized. So, if you want to get down, get in. Also, another running back, Icky Woods, the Icky Shuffle, back in the late '80s, early '90s, kind of hit the world by storm there for a minute. But Steph Curry is, is pretty hot. So it's a hot number right now. With it being week number 95, when you think of the number 95, who is it that comes to your mind first? I think the person that comes to mind first is uh, Greg Lloyd from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a beast. That was a, that was a, that was a good one. 
Greg Slo- Greg Lloyd, excuse me. Richard Dent is another guy. I mean, Richard Dent, it was one play, man, in, in that 85 season where the linemen went to go chop blocked him. Richard Dent flew through the air and sacked the quarterback who tried was rolling. They were rolling out his way for whatever reason. The lineman went to go chop block him, man. He just kind of leaped and dove and got the quarterback all in one move, man. Richard Dent actually met him. He's a big dude, bro. He's a big dude. But uh, that's uh, Chicago Bears Super Bowl winner. It's crazy to think they only won one with that ferocious defense, man. And then Bubba Smith. You know, part of that fearsome foursome, Bubba Smith, historic historic guy. But quick story about Greg Lloyd. I went to see Jacksonville's second year in existence. Went to go see Pittsburgh play Jacksonville. And that was the, that was the game he blew out his knee. But because the stadium in Jacksonville had no replay and the PA was so terrible, we just see Greg Lloyd on the field hurt. And nobody knows, or laying there, nobody knows what's going on. And, uh, you know, eventually we figured out that he was, he was hurting and blew out his knee. But it was just kind of weird. The, all of a sudden the play stops. There's no replay to kind of see what happened, to diagnose what had happened. The PA was not on it at all. And it was just kind of, it was kind of weird that we're in an NFL game, second quarter in the game, and all of a sudden it just stops. So, um, that was just an odd, odd factor in Gray Lloyd. Sir, NFL. Big news in NFL. There was a hole vacant when Brady went down to Tampa Bay. We all wondered. I had Cam going to the Broncos, Cam going to the Bears, um, Cam going to Tennessee, or Cam coming to L.A., going to play for the Chargers. Cam Newton ends up signing with the New Orleans Patriots, or New, excuse me, the New England Patriots. Is this a good signing by the Patriots? And do you expect him to start by the time the season begins? It's not a good signing by the Patriots. <clears throat> it's a great signing by the Patriots. Yes, I fully expect him to start by the beginning of the season. Really, the biggest question is the personality between or how the two personalities, Bill Belichick and Cam Newton, will coexist. That is really the biggest story. It's not really a a talent issue. Um, They most definitely upgraded from Stidham. They, They didn't draft any quarterback that's going to be playing in the NFL next year. So, um, given what they have, and the roster, um, Cam Newton's a great pick. A great pickup, he says. Great pickup. Wow. And you know, I you know you know Cam. Quite honestly, I just had to laugh at the rest of the NFC because they thought this was finally they got a big break, and then Bill Belichick just just closed the door on. You know, it was it, it was kind of funny the way he did it. So, you know what, I, and, and uh, fans. Don't be too upset with me, but I'm going to keep it real. I personally, and we're going to talk about this a little later, but I personally was very interested to see how the Patriots performed this season. And I was kind of, can I say, rooting for them to perform this well this season because I believe it was the coach, not the player. 
So I wanted to see that I didn't have Bill Belichick going going six and ten like many people did. I was thinking more ten and six. But Cam probably puts another couple wins in there somehow. If he's if he stays healthy and he wins, so where I go from quietly rooting for them to have a good season, it gives me another reason that it they refilled restored my hate for them with this with the signing of Cam Newton. Um, but I think I believe Cam is damn as good is, is too is too strong, but I think he's injury prone. And I know he's not a, an accurate passer. He has he only has three seasons over three out of nine seasons I think it is over sixty percent passing rating or passing completion percentage. So he's not a very accurate passer. Never has been because that's not his been his strength. I'm interested to see kind of how. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a personality conflict. Like how could any football player, any football player have a conflict the way Bill Belichick runs his ship. I mean, you come there, you know you got to fall in line, period. It's in the story. Fall in line, and we go to the playoffs, period. There's no question about it. How can anybody come in there and try to question that? Anybody. And then you're coming off of a season where the Carolina Panthers dumped you. I mean, come on. Um, you, you, You haven't been MVP since 2015. Like, that's a long time ago. Like, I don't think anybody can come in there and question anything that goes on in the regime there. So when you say it's a personality flaw, I don't see any flaw. I, I don't see a personality issue. I don't see any issue there at all because we know what Bill Belichick is capable of. So this leads you to, leads me to my next question. Who has more pressure on them going into this year? Assuming health, assuming both all guys are healthy, does Cam Newton have more pressure with playing for the Patriots, or does Tom Brady have more pressure playing for the Buccaneers? Who would you say? I would say Cam Newton has more pressure, uh, given the fact that Tom Brady is six and three in Super Bowl appearances. Uh, Cam Newton is on one. So, what is that? Tom Brady's already played twenty years, and whatever whatever he adds to his resume is just crazy. Adverse Cam Newton has never won a Super Bowl, so he has something to uh, to accomplish in order to get to that pantheon of immortality. Tom Brady does not have that. He's already the greatest quarterback of all time. And whatever he does in the future is just... Settle down. I mean, you said something there that was complete asinine. That is greatest quarterback. No, no. What I said, what I said is he's the greatest quarterback of all time in six Super Bowls, which means he's played in nine Super Bowls. Completely usurps everyone else. Cut it out, man. I mean, I'm not going to get into that with you tonight. I didn't say the greatest passer. I didn't say the greatest rushing quarterback. I said the greatest quarterback. Oh, again, I don't have the energy tonight, friends. I'm sorry, friends. I don't have the energy to to straighten out Cleveland in segment one of week 95 of the Voice of the Fans podcast. We're gonna sure. have to say this. We're gonna have to the season starts, and then when the Buccaneers are going on four, and I'm asking ask Ben, is uh, Tom Brady the greatest quarterback ever with a 0 and four record? Uh, I'll come back. I'll I'll just circle this date and come back to it, Fan fans. Let's do that. 
But you tell me, um, the Patriots have had some issues along the way, shall we say, in accomplishing and getting to the nine Super Bowls that you want to give credit to one guy for. When I clearly tell you, I clearly made it clear to you that the coach has more to do with those championships, getting to those championships than the player. But with that being said, there's been some issues along the way. And this week, a half hour before or half hour after they announced they signed Cam Newton, NFL announced the Patriots, the Patriots have been fined and will lose a future third-round pick for their shenanigans against the Cincinnati Bungles last year. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it's clear and obvious that they cheat. And it's clear and obvious they cheat on a, you know, pretty relative occasion. I mean, they, they, they cheat all the time. So the fact that they were penalized is, you know, it's par for the course. You know, a third-round pick, I mean, you know, third-round picks turn into Russell Wilson. I mean, they turn their franchise quarterback. So, you know, it's nothing to, you know. So he's at when you're saying you lose a, a third round pick for what is that you've done, but yeah, they're all they're always you know on the borderline of you know culpability, and you know they just you know the evidence was obvious that they were doing that whether they needed to or not. That's that's irrelevant. They were actually doing that. They were cheating. So yeah, a little third round pick for them. So do you just like, hold, just like it's spinning Tom Brady for four games? I mean, for you know, deflating football, you know, uh, when they, when they the, cheat, penalize them. What was the record when that happened? I mean, it was a pretty good record. So again, I, I see where you're going with this. Like, why did they have a reason to cheat? And you know, the answer to that is that's an excellent question. Do they just cheat for the sake of cheating? Do they just cheat for the sake of getting an advantage when they probably don't really necessarily need that type of advantage. I mean, that's you have to ask them about that. Why they do what they do, but the fact is that they do cheat and then they've been caught again is, you know. Okay. All right. With that with that being said, the third round pick as you mentioned as a pre uh is nothing to sneeze at Nothing is something that you should be concerned with. They turn into a franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolphins passed up on one guy twice, three times, I think it was. Um, have you heard about the NFL this year? I'm not sure. I'm not. Maybe you can help me and help the fans. When the NFL agreed thirty-one to one that they're going to tarp off the first eight rows of the lower stadium bowl for NFL games going into this season. All stadiums, they're going to tarp off the first eight rows, use the, some ad space or something for that, for that, because at the NFL Players Association request, do you think that's going to prevent coronavirus from spreading amongst the team? 
Absolutely not. I mean, I guess it's a, a certain distance and proximity that they feel comfortable with. Don't know how they came up with that number. Um, and again, to be quite honest, um, all the other sports, you can be much closer to the playing surface than whether it be baseball or football or basketball eight rows away um, in a football stadium. That's typically pr- quite far. You're already behind the sidelines so to even begin with things, right? And then eight rows into the actual seating stadium. I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it can hurt, but is it so helpful that you have to do that? Hard to say. Or in, you know, uncharted waters, um, you know, no one really has a script with regards to how to handle this kind of thing because it's never happened. So um, I don't necessarily agree or disagree uh, with the distance and, you know, those particular rows, but I think they have far greater problems considering that there's not going to be fans in the stadium to begin with. So up to them to do that. I think it's just kind of a way for them to get you know, additional revenue, considering there's not going to be any fans in the stadium. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man. Um, I don't know most stadiums. Um, most stadiums I've been in, I, although I spent a lot of time in the shoebox that was called the Dignity Health Center last year, viewing the Chargers. Probably the smallest stadium in the in the the smallest stadium in, in NFL. Yeah, not probably. The smallest stadium in the NFL, yes. They still, the fans still were, the fans in the front row were still 20, except for the end zone, which is similar to CenturyLink. The very, right there at the end zone, at the end of end zone, except for those seats, fans were, around the sides, the sidelines, 30 yards from the field, 20 yards from the players on the sidelines. So I, I don't understand, like, the, play, the everybody's not in the end zone. So I don't understand why that why that's a huge problem. You know, every, all plays aren't taking place in the end zone. So, um I, I I'm not I'm not sure what the, what that means and and how how that plays out. So we'll see we'll see how that works out. It, it allows them more time to make uh, more time to uh, uh, make, do advertising, as you mentioned. All right, Cleveland, see, NBA restart is going to happen, man. Looks like it's going to happen. Though Fauci is telling everybody, you know, to prepare for the second wave of the coronavirus. NBA is forming a bubble, locking everything down there in Orlando. They scheduled the NBA season or the restart of the season. The schedule came out last week. And it has the Los Angeles Clippers going up against the Los Angeles Lakers. Is that a proper way to start the restart, sir? 
or would you rather see that game come up a, a few games in, a week into the season? What do you think about that? I think that it's unprecedented what it is that we're going through, so there really is no protocol with regards to what would be better. Um, you know, they're not going to play a whole lot of games, and then the playoffs are going to start. So, you know, Lakers, Clippers, that's fine. You know, I, I understand, you know, kind of from a Clippers perspective, it seems like kind of like a, you know, grudge match. Let's, you know, see what, it, you know, Big Brother has to offer kind of thing. And, you know, that sounds cool, but this is another game, man. Big Brother. Right, the the team with the with the sixteen championships that versus the team with the no championships is what I mean. The two teams that play in Los Angeles, California. One of them has a whole bunch of championships and one of them has never played for the championship. So it probably means a lot more to them, but for the league and the Lakers in, in specific, it's just another game. It's just it's just let's get that under, you know. Underneath our belt, and let's go from there. But no, it it has no significance with regards to the schedule and what is ultimately going to happen. So no, it's just a game. Wow. Okay. Well, that that seems to be the the logic, the idea that the Lakers come into each game of the season against the Clippers. Oh, the first game of the year. Oh, it's the first game of the year. It's just a game. Oh, Christmas Day is just a an ordinary game. They end up losing both games in a row. It was it was a makeup game the last time they played. Where going into the game is just a game. They win and oh, we just we just beat Milwaukee. We just beat the Clippers, and we're on a roll and nobody can tell us nothing. But going into the game, it was just a game. So it'll be interesting to hear to see the outcome of the game. I think it's kind of a shame that both teams kind of go, I guess it's just like the start of the season, both teams covered off those preseason games and get right into it. Um, I mean, it's, it's deja vu all over again. So we'll see if the Clippers go 3-1 and one in, in the season or is, is they they tied up. You know, who, who says? But the Lakers clearly – it's just whatever. It's just a game for them guys. That's interesting to me. Correct. Yes. Interesting. Yes, it's interesting to me. So, with the Nuggets, a couple players coming down with coronavirus, they and their reason for locking down their facility, as with the Brooklyn Nets locking down their facility, how do you think this is going to impact the NBA in the bubble? It will impact the uh, NBA significantly having uh, two teams that are, you know, in playoff contention, having multiple players come down with the virus and how that affects them going forward. Now, I think that all of us, kind of assume that by the time the season actually gets started that the players that had the coronavirus had been quarantined and they were going to be fully healthy and when they come back everything will be great. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, there have been some pretty significant players that come down with it, you know, the Joker for, uh, you know, Tinder and Chandler for, 
for the Brooklyn Nets. So you know, no one is under the preconceived notion that nothing is going to go wrong and that no team is going to be, you know, immune to the effects of, you know, players coming down with COVID-19. I mean, that's just part of what it is that you're getting yourself into. You're just trying to get as much content and as much competition as you can, you know, before something really crazy happens and, you know, hopefully they don't shut the season down. That would be worst-case scenario. But I think that everyone's just going to play healthy and never get anything. Is just, again, as we've spoken about on the show, another realistic expectation. Wow. Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. I'm hoping everything goes well. I'm hoping they get they actually get the season to restart going and, and play without any setbacks, any postponements. They're able to play the season through. Um, do you think that's going to be the case, or do you think somebody's significant? Because Wilson Chandler getting the, Wilson Chandler coming down with coronavirus outside the bubble versus Paul George coming down with coronavirus inside the bubble. Those are two different players, two different impacts to the season. Which do you think – do you think the NBA gets through the restart without a shutdown? Crossing my fingers that they're able to get through the restart without a shutdown – when 100% someone of significance is going to come down with the corona in the bubble and it will significantly impact how the playoffs play out. Okay. All right. Which which NBA team is helped most by this three-month break, four-month break that they'd have? It's a team like the Rockets, a team like the Trailblazers getting healthy all of a sudden. Is it the Clippers and with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being fully rested? Which team do you think has been helped the most? 127% the Los Angeles Clippers have been helped the most uh, by the lockdown and the quarantine. Um, Just the fact that um, their two-star players have had an opportunity to not have any participation in basketball activities um, and they've just been able to get completely healthy. So um, I think it definitely helps them the most. Okay. That's, that's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Which player, individual player do you think has been helped most by the break? Tatum was on a roll. Nurkic is get, is now had a chance to get healthy and is back for the Portland Trailblazers. Do you think Giannis is slows down Giannis's momentum for the MVP? I mean, he was in, he was going full full stride. We know this doesn't help LeBron at all because he has to now get that motor recharge again. And between flying around town and or flying around the country, across the country, as you say, Cleveland, and going back and forth around, across town to sign these big deals, you know, uh, he hasn't been in in the gym, as you say. So, who, which player do you think has helped the most during the break? I think the player that has helped the most is, uh, I should say, it is twofold. I think the player that's helped the most is probably Ben Simmons. Uh, 
Um, there was a little bit of question as to whether he was going to be fully ready to participate by the time playoffs start. And that has completely been taken off the table. And in addition, um, his addition to the roster makes Philadelphia a much stronger team in the East. Um, with regards to Giannis winning the MVP, I think that was kind of a foregone – it wasn't a foregone conclusion. He was kind of tight. But now there's not enough of an extensive body of work for, I don't think, anyone to catch him. So I think that he definitely gets the MVP. Um, I, it certainly slowed down his momentum because he was definitely on a different uh, mindset and um, course than he has been at any other point in his career. So uh, it's going to be kind of hard to kind of start-stop um, from where he came from um, in the beginning of the season, you know, trying to, you know, kind of avenge that loss to the Raptors and kind of prove that he's that that dude. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same type of opportunity to present itself, but I do think that ultimately he will end up being the NBA MVP of, of this season. So Giannis has helped most by the break is what I'm hearing you say. No, I said Ben Simmons. You probably missed that part. Ben Simmons has been helped the most by the break. Giannis had no real significant injuries to speak of, um, but Ben Simmons did, and he probably gives his, his team the chance to get better than they were previously before the COVID virus. Do you think the Sixers, if they play the Celtics, they get by the Celtics? With Ben Simmons, I think they have an excellent opportunity to do that, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll have that discussion if it comes up. Um, I like the Celtics team better, but uh, we'll, we'll have that discussion when it comes up. Um, you already answered whether you think that you're confident the NBA will complete the season. You think somebody else significant is going to come down with the with the virus and and put a halt to the season? Do you think they're going to put a halt to the season or just kind of put an asterisk on the season? I don't think they'll put a halt to the season unless something drastic happens wherein there's a lot of teams that have, you know, attrition with regards to their roster, then they have to, you know, they have to bring it to a close. This experiment didn't work. If they're able to get through um, with, you know, I'm not trying to project numbers out there, but let's just say, you know, two players a team. And I think they, they'll have an opportunity to continue the season. But if they get three weeks into it and there's like four or five players coming down with it per team, then it's like, no, we have to we have to shut it down. So I, I don't think anyone really has the answer to that question. Um, if you just speculate, I think that they've done as much quality control as they can. But, I think they can ultimately get through a season, but it will be with a lot of hiccups. Okay. All right. I, I think they're going to get through the season. Um, I have confidence in that, uh, regardless of what Fauci says. I think they're going to be in a bubble, and they're going to do everything they can they can to make that the safest place on earth for that time being. So um, kudos to the NBA for pulling this out. Let me ask you another question. Just, um, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that on the on the next segment about the NBA and 
the BLM and their their initiative there. I want to get your feedback on that. Let's take a break here. We're going to come back and talk about this week in history, some good stuff happening there, and then we'll talk more about the NBA. Let's take a break right here, Mr. Fluor. Hey, fans. One thank you guys for tuning into our Voice of the Fans podcast as you do each and every week. We appreciate the love. Please make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about our show. Additionally, I'd like to ask that you guys subscribe to our Voice of the Fans YouTube page. Go to YouTube, type in Voice of the Fans, hit the subscribe button. What you're going to find there is a lot of exclusive content. Interviews between Greg Popovich and myself, Scott Farrell, Sports Talk host, and myself. You're going to hear my conversation with Emmett Smith. Hear why he tells me to go do some research. You're also going to see my interview with Jim Brown, legendary Jim Brown. You're going to see my interviews with Eric Dickerson. You're going to see my interview with Terrell Davis. Hear why Terrell Davis says that Broncos running system was not a system. Hear his explanation of that. Once again, Voice of the Fans on YouTube page. Check it out. Again, tell a friend to tell a friend because we appreciate that love. Thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, thank you for making our voice your choice. All right, Mr. Cleavon. Welcome back, sir. And as always, we do this week in history, try to educate our fans about some things that happened in the past. So why are you running the streets of Bellevue? Vermont in July 2nd, 1777, became the first U.S. territory to abolish slavery. Seems a long time ago to have some of the shit that we see today still could exist, doesn't it? It certainly does, and it's particularly in its proper context and perspective when you hear it. Yeah. July 4th, 1881. Booker T. Washington opened Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. July 1st, 1905. You're probably wondering, can we pick anything a little bit more current? But I thought this was a good, um, a good topic here. Frank Owen, formerly of the Chicago White Sox, it's two complete games on the same day. Now, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Pitchers don't even go half the game these days, and this guy pitched two complete games on the same day. Like, do they not have another pitcher or what? But what do you think was up with that one? He was their ace. He was the, he was the horse, man. They must have been in a playoff run, and, hey, man, you got a doubleheader, man. How do you feel after the first one, man? Didn't throw too many pitches, man. You ain't get it. All right, well. Get right back in there, man. We'll see what we can do. You know, we'll get you when you're ready. You get right back in there, huh? You just kept dealing. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's all I can think. I mean, you know. First game went pretty smooth. Second game, you know, keep it rolling. Two complete games. I should have looked at the score of those games and see what they were. Um, July 1, 1995. In 1998, same day, the NBA locked out its players 
for the first and second time, respectively, in its history. That's pretty wild. Happened they not only did it happen three years apart, but on the same exact day. Like, come on, NBA. But now that was under David Stern, who was punking the players clearly. Now we got Adam Silver, who's wanting to make friends with the players, which I think is not a bad philosophy. Cleveland, talking about the NBA, and there's all kind of rumors about what's going on, what's going to go on down there in NBA or in the bubble where the NBA is focusing on doing their showing their BLM initiative and support by painting BLM on the court. What's your thoughts about that, sir? Well, Cam, as you before mentioned, the NBA is very unique with regards to the other uh, sports in the fact that they have much more of a partnership slash friendship slash business arrangement with the athletes as opposed to the NFL or the NBA or the NHL or NASCAR. Um, Player, it's a a league where the players kind of control the narrative much more than the other sports. So it's not surprising that the NBA uh, took the initiative to do that, and um, I think it just kind of continues to facilitate that collaborative relationship that the players in the league have with one another, and um, hopefully positive things can come out of it. Um, there are a lot of significant. Uh, athletes within the NBA that have chosen to kind of take the the mantle as a you know role models and spokesperson for a lot of the things that are going on, and so I think it's a good thing. You think it's a good thing that the the league is choosing to paint or was thought about painting BLM Black Lives Matter on the court? I think it's a good thing. Yes, I'm interested to see. Uh, obviously, you know, Colin, years ago, Colin Kaepernick took a, took a knee to bring awareness to racial injustice and police inequalities. We we know that to racial injustice and police brutality and inequalities that we we face on a daily basis. I'm a black man. I experience those challenges every day. So I'm fully aware of what he fought for or what he took a knee for. And, you know, took a stand, quote-unquote, for. I understand it wholeheartedly. I thought there were ulterior motives behind it, but I understand 100% why he felt he needed to bring awareness to this situation. And kudos to him for, for stepping out and kind of falling on a sword to to make a point and to bring awareness for it. Do I think he thought he'd lose his job? No, not at all. Um, did we think he'd get blackballed? No, I don't think that he he thought that through as well. But kudos to him for making a point. I mean, obviously it shows a few years later that this situation continues. Um, so obviously he he wasn't wrong in what he was doing for the cause he was fighting for. However, I will say, and I applaud the players who are supporting the cause today. And as you talked about, the NBA players have much a better relationship with their senior management than the other sports. 
that allows for some of this stuff to be considered and allows for some of it to be happen. I, I get it. NBA, everybody else, the NFL, Major League Baseball, refer to the the owners as owners of the team, whereas the NBA calls them the um, the founders, the the founder controlling interest party. They're not called owners. Um, having a brain fart on a specific term that they use. I think it's founders or controlling controlling interest partners or something to that effect. But I think when the fans tune in, I want to see basketball when I tune into it. I want to be inundated with Black Lives Matter propaganda. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it happens. Again, I'm a black man, so do I understand the cause? Do I understand the, the need to to bring awareness to this issue? Yes, 100%, wholeheartedly. Do I want to be inundated with that while watching the NBA? No, I don't. I think there's the other things that can be done to show you care about black black lives, black men. There's other things you can do. You can hire more black men. You can start programs within the industry to make sure minority mentorships, to make sure and then pick your pool of coaches from these for these mentors or pick your pool of the front office talent for these from these mentor roles. That's tangible things that can be done within the the NBA to show that black lives matter. You know, put in your money, investments that they've done, invest in the community centers, invest in the inner cities of the cities that you play in, tangible things that can be done to show that black lives matter. I just don't want to see the court, they're playing street ball on the court of you know, um, looking like the Oregon Ducks, 17 different colors, doesn't look like a basketball court anymore um, because they're trying to send a send a message. I don't care to see see that. I don't care to. I don't. I'm not excited to see. I mean, we know we're going to have, you know, a new commercial every other week in reference to Black Lives Matter. I want to see a bunch of companies from Scotts tissue to Viva Viva paper towels to, you know, macaroni and cheese, craft macaroni and cheese talking about Black Lives Matter. Like, again, create some programs within your organization to develop your front office leadership with Black people. That's tangible evidence that Black Lives Matter to you. That's what I would rather see that than to see a bunch of public displays or marketing dollars going to support the Black Lives Matter or to state Black Lives Matter when you don't do anything on the backside. What are your thoughts on that, sir? Um, I think that Black Lives Matter being on the court um, is uh, a gesture that shows that the NBA is sympathetic to that cause. Um, and symbolic of their 
commitment to kind of facilitating that whole mindset and thought. Um, I think the fact that the NDA is, you know, 90% black and, um, again, it is a player-controlled league, um, I definitely think they had uh, – how should I say this? They had the obligation to make that commitment more than other leagues do uh, just because of the relationship that they have with the players. So I understand it from that perspective. Um, Like you're saying, I don't want it to control the narrative of the sport as a whole because that's not um, in the best interest of the sport, to be quite honest. But they had to do something, and I don't think that this is um, an audacious kind of um, display of what it is they can and can't do. I think it's it's uh, on par with what you would expect, given the nature of the relationship, given the nature of the relationship between the league the owners and the players. Well, yeah, that's gonna, that's going to be interesting. So, uh, to follow up that with that, what do you think about the potential of players wearing victims' names on their jersey? Um, now, I thought that was insensitive is not the word for it. Again, I understand the reason. It's extremely, it's extremely insensitive, um, and that that's. That, that's 100% correct, and I think that's way over the top, and then it becomes something far greater than uh, the sport itself. It becomes you trying to make a political statement, and I don't think that that's the venue um, or the arena to make those kind of statements, you know, it being a sport, so... Like yeah, it's a little bit excessive, a little bit over the top, in my opinion. I think they're going to go with either uh, names and phrases over the actual victim's name, first name and last name. And yeah, I don't, I didn't like that idea um, of going up, you know, calling people out or naming names and wearing those on a jersey. I think that does take away Fulton. I understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. As you mentioned, they, they have the biggest pie of black athletes in there, so a lot of them feel obligated. But it, it that will come off as de- definitely disingenuous, in my opinion, wearing the victim's name on the jersey. So with all that being said, what kind of tribute would you like to see, Mr. Cleveland? What, what, what kind of tribute would you like to see down in the bubble of Orlando, Florida? Um, an acknowledgement of what has uh, transpired in the last couple of months, um, and, you know, on, on every front to kind of you know, clear the air and let um, the public and the fans know um, that they support uh, these initiatives, Black Lives Matter. Um, they support everyone, you know, kind of following the guidelines of, you know, recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic and kind of going from there. Um, 
I'm sure that certain people, I mean, a lot of people probably think that there's more of an obligation that the NBA has with regards to doing that, but um, understanding um, who their audience is and also understanding who um, their collaborative relationship is with, um, that they'll do the most that they can, um, but expecting it to be the absolute focal point of everything the NBA does from here going forward is a little bit unrealistic and asking a little bit more than I think you can expect from what the NBA is going to be able to do. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be uh, nice to see or interesting to see kind of what, what type of tributes they actually come up with and kind of they make the headlines. That'll be interesting to see. So, Cleveland, this week we're going to re- – we have reviewed the NFC all throughout this month or the last few weeks, I should say. This week we have the NFC South that we're re- we will be reviewing. That includes the Panthers, Falcons, Buccaneers, Saints. I think you have them in that order, don't you? Falcons, Panthers, Buccaneers, and Saints. I do not have them in that order. Actually, uh, probably in reverse. Um, the way you the way you said it, that didn't make any sense. So, yeah. Uh, well, we both agree on the Saints winning the division. Buccaneers coming in. Okay. Good for you for coming to your senses on that one. That was a good one. I had the Saints the last two years winning the Super Bowl. I don't think they're predicting to win the Super Bowl this year, but I just have you know, I had the Saints in the Super Bowl the last two years. Uh, the Buccaneers, you know, with their new additions. I have the Falcons over the Panthers. Um, why do you have the Panthers at number two? I do not have the Panthers at number two. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number two. Well, excuse me. The, I said the, the Atlanta Falcons at number three and the uh, Carolina Panthers at number four. We have Just the, to clarify. Well, thanks for clarifying. Because in my list, it shows the Panthers. You have the Panthers at finishing at number three. That's no, we, we, have the, we have that inverted. Okay. I, I, have, the, uh, I have the Panthers. Uh, Okay. Last year in okay, and with your star player, they're, they're going to be dead last. Huh? The league's MVP, who you're predicting last season, and Christian Jackson. If you're talking about Christian Jackson McCaffrey, yes, he is a, a fantasy football god, and I think that he will continue um, to put up astronomical fantasy football numbers. Does that mean that the Carolina Panthers will have that same success on the football field as an entire team? No, not at all. Okay. And, um, yeah, I I agree with you um, in that respect. So, Mr. Cleveland, we've got our new segment, Mr. Clint Cleveland. And uh, you might be have a angle where you think this is gonna go. Not sure if you do now, but everything. All my questions center around this specific division, so that narrows the league down for you quite a bit. 
And I want to know which three of the four quarterbacks in the division. I'm sure you can name the quarterbacks in that division. But can you tell me who has more seasons over 30 touchdown passes in a season? Who has more of those? Can you can you repeat the question, Cam? Which 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 quarterback in the, the, from the NFC South has? And they don't have to be NFC South touchdowns, but which quarterback currently on the NFC South team? has the most seasons with 30 or more touchdowns. Oh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees is correct, sir. Who Who's next? Uh, next would be Tom Brady. Okay. All right. So you, you got this one pretty good. And then rounding that up is, is Matt Ryan. Out of those three quarterbacks, who's led the NFL in TD passes more often? Most times would be Drew Brees. You want to guess how many? Nine. Nine what? Nine seasons leading the NFL in touchdown passes. Well, you think because he had 10 out of 19 seasons with 30-plus touchdown passes, he'd be up there pretty close, right? That number would be higher than four. How many does Tom Brady have where he's led the league in touchdown passes? He just got the one that he played on the uh, highest-scoring offense in the history of the NFL. He also has four. What? He also has four, yes. Wow. Okay. Present. Who out of those three quarterbacks? Matt Ryan has none, too, by the way. No season over 30 yards, 30 touchdowns or more. Which of the three quarterbacks has the most seasons over 5,000 yards? The most seasons over 5,000 yards. I'm going to answer your question, and I'm going to say Drew Brees. Well, as you know, Drew saying Drew Brees with any of these passing numbers is not is not a bad idea. Drew Brees wins lead that category as well. How many seasons does he have five thousand yards passing or more? Just two, just two. Let's not get carried away. 
There's two. Okay. He actually has five. Wow. Five five thousand yard passing season? Correct, yes. That's amazing. Who is second in line? And how many? Second in line would have to be Matty Ice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with three. I was surprised by this. Matty Ice has zero. Oh, really? Fasan Fasan has one. Fasan has one. Correct. Only the one. Yes, you're absolutely just, right. Just that one. Uh, and then you had Randy Moss, and they were defeated in uh-huh. the greatest offense in the history of football. Okay, I'm with you. I'm right. I'm right with you. So this wasn't a bad week for you, Mister Cleavon. The Clint Cleavon, you kept throwing Drew Brees right out at me, and with passing category. He leads the passing category. So good, good work out of you this week, man. Oh, oh thank you, sir. And 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 let, and let me uh, let me just uh, follow that up with uh, the last Miami Dolphin to throw oh, for five thousand yards was in nineteen eighty four. A cat named Dan Marino, and that was uh, thirty six years ago. About, haven't you been banned from talking Miami Dolphins football? I think we, we put a band on and it. And that was 36 years ago. And I believe he was the first person to do it with that 5,084, but that was, that was 36 years ago. All right, fans, we've heard enough from Mr. Cleveland. Fans, we want to thank you guys for tuning in to a fantastic week of Voice of the Fans podcast. Actually, we want to end it with a quote right here. I don't think a coach becomes the right coach until he wins a championship. That sounds like something right there you would say, Cleveland. Say that. Who said that? Because that uh, person doesn't really know what they're talking about. That sounds exactly like something you would say right there. Who I said mean, it? That's Kobe Bryant. Kobe was, being Bryant. Yeah. Uh, he knows a little something about winning championships. Uh, well, he, he knows if he's going to do it my way, if anything else. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Fans, again, want to thank you guys for tuning in to Voice of the Fans podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for making our voice your choice. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. We really appreciate it. Cleveland, thank you for your time. And as always, fans, again, thank you for making our voice your choice. Thanks, Chief. Right on, bro. We'll talk soon. All right, later.